Okay, as in go. Sorry, one second. Fork Tales, a podcast that feeds the food and beverage world. Oh, awesome. Fortales is brought to you by Vigor, a branding and marketing agency for passion-driven, innovative restaurant, beverage, and hospitality brands. Learn more at VigorBranding.com. If you love what we're serving up, please give Fortales a five-star review on your podcast service of choice. Think of it as a tip for good service. Everyone, today I am joined by my friend, Alan Hickey. He is the founder and chief commercial officer at a place called Vromo, which we are going to unpack in full detail on this episode. Um, Alan is a proud Scotsman. Um, oh, you did it, Joseph. <laughs> Straight off the back, you did it. If Kevin Bentley is listening, he will be laughing, uh, <laughs> as will our friend Miles Garrett or Miles Gift. Um, Anyway, we'll, we'll, we'll stop talking about Vegas because we're not supposed to. Um, Alan, <laughs> say hello and give a little bit of backstory. Uh, hello, everybody. Uh, the least proud Scotsman of all time, but very proud Irishman. Um, so, yeah, um, uh, founder, co- co-founder, actually, of the original company uh, with a guy called Sean Murray and then co-founder of Romo, I suppose, with, with Brian Hickey. Began life as a delivery fleet, so probably the least software founder you've ever had on your show. Um, and so our life began delivering pizzas across Europe, uh, Australia, New Zealand, built a product for our own use case. Um, I suppose because we just, not that there wasn't great product out there, not good product for us. And then the dirty word of business that is pivot. Uh, we did it in, in late 2019, early, sorry, late 2018, early 2019. Harder, more difficult, more expensive, more drawn out than we ever imagined. But here we are now, you know, a couple of years later, not honestly not regretting a single day of any of the decisions we've made. So it's been, uh, it's been awesome. And, and ultimately what we do is try to make delivery profitable. So if an order is going out of the kitchen, there's a use case for Vromo, be it own drivers, third-party fleets, hybrid of both, whatever. It's just trying to drive some bottom-line revenue back into to restaurant partners and, and really giving them ownership of that customer experience as well. I love it. Yeah, the, the, the dirty word pivot. Um, every time I hear that word, I flash back to high school gym uh, being taught how to play basketball and my gym teacher, Mr. Thompson, just yelling pivot at us. As you know, we pivot around one foot with the ball. Uh, so it's it's personal. It hurts. Uh, I'm not very sports inclined except for soccer. Um, but, uh, you know, anyway, I'll try not to shudder every time I hear the word. <laughs> so let's talk about third party delivery, because um, I think that's like obviously hot button. It was the this this almost violent shift to like embracing 3PD during the uh, pandemic. And mm. uh, it hasn't really slowed down, but the challenges and the pain points have definitely exacerbated. So it, it certainly changed the game. Um, but those challenges seem to be uh, you seem to be tackling some of them. And um, can you break down how has Vromo approached the relationship with 3PD? Um, just how, how, how are you overcoming some of those challenges? Um, yeah, so, so 
I suppose just straight off the bat, I would agree with everything you say. Um, I think what the the pandemic introduced was a speed in decision making that this industry hasn't seen in a long, long time. Um, I mean, it was like snapshot decision making to the to the point of very little thinking and due diligence as to what happens next. Um, but but that was okay. Look, it was in we were all in survival mode. Um, and then the challenges that have presented themselves. In all honesty, if we're looking at the status quo, yeah, there are serious challenges there. Um, but in a new world, maybe those challenges aren't as kind of aggressive and worrying and, you know, troublesome as, as, as probably initially perceived. So let me kind of unpack that a bit. When the pandemic hit, like on-premise disappeared all right we were all gonna like remember at the start of covid we all thought we were gonna die if we caught this thing like it was like seriously intense and then you had like we're european like ireland based so ireland had its rules and the uk had its rules and then the us had its rules and it was like no matter what day you looked at you were like holy hell like it's it's getting worse over here we thought we were in the clear so that's honestly that's why i think it lasted so long because there was no joined up thinking around like a strategy about how far we go into lockdown or how far we kind of push this isolation. And so what restaurants in, 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 in our opinion and what we saw did was they just kind of went for the lowest common denominator and they said, right, let's say on-premise is never coming back. What does this business look like? And, and as you said, Joseph, they just bailed into third party delivery, like aggressively turned on every channel which is what we would tell people to do. Like, ironically, if we get a restaurant rocking into us, like you mentioned Kevin earlier on, like I would say, turn them all on, like absolutely everybody, because here's here's the misnomer. It's new volume. You're an Uber customer. I'm a DoorDash customer. Somebody else is a Grubhub customer. We are habitual with the app that we use. So when you turn on additional third parties, you get additional users. It is a fact. It's not... A misnomer and and so what we then saw from a learning perspective was people were okay with third-party delivery and fulfillment when it was like five percent of their business maybe ten it was like okay it's hitting the PL, it's hitting the bottom line it's not killing us in the pandemic it went to a hundred percent and then we've maybe seen a fallback to honestly, depending on food type and depending on state, we're looking at numbers anywhere between 25 and 50%, which is absolutely massive. Because if you think about how much time a marketing department or, or an operational department puts into kitchen layout, store layout, the queue, the tills, the music that you hear when you walk in, and now imagine trying to replicate that decision-making process in delivery. It just hasn't happened, like at all. Nobody's gone there yet. And that's that's really what we're almost trying to accelerate from a restaurant's perspective. We're trying to like get them to go, guys, you need to operate as slick digitally as Uber and DoorDash and Grubhub. And not that, not that they're competitors. And I'm like real clear on this. The third-party marketplaces have a place, but not a hundred percent of of off-prem. Not a hundred percent. They have a place and they have a part to play for sure. But I've never heard anybody say, I really enjoyed my DoorDash pizza that I ordered last night. <laughs> you say I ordered, I really enjoyed my Blaze pizza that I ordered on DoorDash. It's a, it's a secondary brand connection. And 
And so what Veromo wants to do is basically enable both DoorDash and Blaze to recognize that dynamic with us, the end users, and ultimately drive it forward because that's a sustainable marketplace. That That's something where we're all not looking over our shoulder going, who's going to who's gonna hit us next or who's going to come after our lunch next? So um, the pandemic, that, that to me is the biggest takeaway. It's third parties definitely here to stay, but we probably need a bit more insight a bit more control and a bit more leverage over how those third parties play. Yeah. And, you know, every, everyone will talk, you know, any operator will talk about the fees, the fees. And of course the, uh, the bank of tablets that you end up at somewhere in visibility. If, if you're, you know, more, more than likely, I would say, if you're lucky, you've, you found a way to tuck them away without actually impeding on the ability to uh, receive those orders, which which has been an issue as well. I mean, some of these full service restaurants just simply were not built for that, like agility and speed. Um, and hell, I even remember gather around kids as Grandpa Joe talks about the past, um, <laughs> getting a sandwich delivered to your house. I mean, if you think about it, that wasn't a thing 10 years ago. No. It's like you would, you had to go get it, you know? And I remember in Pennsylvania, a sub shop started delivering subs and I was like, this is amazing. <laughs> you know, like I get a sub delivered to my house. Uh, Cause you know, up until that moment, it was pizza was the only thing that had the volume to actually do delivery. No one else really did. So it's definitely changed the game. Um, so can you dig in a little bit more about how Vromo works? How does it layer in with 3PD? Is it completely separate? Does it integrate? Uh, just dumb it down for people like me. <laughs> um, yeah. Okay. So, so actually you raise an interesting point uh, around the, the concept of delivery. And, and um, like I use this all the time. So, so uh, you're probably a little older than I am. Sorry fans i know joseph looks amazing but, uh, <laughs> or grandpa joe as he calls himself <laughs> but but it was like look across the globe it was pizza delivery for like for my generation for every maybe chinese every now and again oh, that right. was it yep. and then then you started getting like quiznos subway you know potbelly and, and portillos and pf changs and it's like, oh my god this is like smorgasbord of what's going on here and when you order food is really interesting. And we kind of see this, right? So pizza, look, pizza gets ordered all day, every day. But like a sub is, is, is a real lunchtime, possibly hangover. Like I just need something salty into my belly before, you know, we end up in therapy. Um, and and, and so, so it was interesting because it opened up a completely different buying market. And so when Fromo launched in the US, look, tiny little Irish company looking at the enormous US market. And we were like, yeah, of course we can take this on. But we had to be really picky, right? Like we had to be so picky when it came to resources and everything else. So we had to prove our use case. And our, our, our first use case was, does the product stand up? So we went after fleets. And um, so fleets like we used to be, and we said, hey, if you're doing delivery for restaurants, you need a, a, a software and we can probably do this for you. And so deliver that, uh, Darian Terrell, Aaron Hoffman, John Zeno, uh, basically the three guys at the top of that company, honestly, lifelong friends of mine now. Uh, but at the time it was like, was my first USL. And, and when I mean, we threw the kitchen sink at these boys, like it would <laughs> get them over the line. But it was, it was interesting because even though they were a little bit younger than me, 
They were operating in a different market than me. They were never thinking about international expansion at this time. If you paired back all the layers of that onion, it was the exact same use case. And it was really good delivery, ETAs to customer, slick user engagement, and then give the restaurant control of the ownership. Like deliver that didn't need to be the brand that people were talking about, nor did Vromo. And so there was that alignment. And then we took it one step further and we said, right, restaurants are obviously going to be the, the, the test point. And, and Kevin at the time wasn't with Papa Gino's. It was, a, it was an absolutely amazing dude, Tom Hayden, um, who brought us in there and, and, and Dina and the team at, at, um, at New England Eats. And, and, you know, we got, honestly, we got put up, can you do this? And we were like, yeah, we absolutely can, but we need you guys to believe in it so we can get it over the line. And that use case was really simple as well. It was, they wanted to operate with third parties, with marketplaces, with multiple channels. They also wanted to engage overflow. So they recognized, hey, we can go out and hire drivers, but we're going to need help. And so if we need help, how, when, and why do we ask DoorDash to come in and, and help us out? And, and that was what Vromo enabled them to automate, but also scale. So like we went from three sites to, I don't know, I think, 75 80 sites in the space of two months and then they've got a standard concept across all restaurants and that was something that had never existed before because as anybody who operates in restaurants know trying to manage performance across multiple units is so difficult because they all have their little nuances and idiosyncrasies and oh but this is happening and we have a parking lot and we don't and blah 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 and so that's what Roma tries to do like from a from a kind of performance level give a standard common denominator like just geez, just give us a, a baseline that we can mark everybody off but there's no doubt been massive challenges and like i mean you know we've seen businesses go out of business through covid and um, we've seen restaurants go to the wall change ownership and and so you know i always want to state this has not been the rosiest time for all people um, and 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 that's completely understandable. But what I would say to the market, and this isn't just cheap, leave Romo aside for one second. There are tools, there are partners, there are consultants, there are really, really educated solutions out there. And don't be afraid to go and ask because this will happen again. And it could be the recession this time, although recession should help off premise. We should see the, the bell curve go the other way. But honestly, like go and ask, go and like, don't be afraid to feel stupid as, as yeah. we would say like just go and ask uh, because that was the biggest learning for me the inertia to change for some restaurants was still there and even at the top of the call i was like decision making accelerated massively it was the people who didn't make those decisions just got absolutely nailed nailed so yeah and i feel like the decisions now are so i i'm i'm ever the naysayer i guess uh it's a real wonderful quality that my wife and my <laughs> how much she appreciates every day. Um, but these brands are investing so much and I, I feel like it's an overcorrection act actually, where it's, you know, all digital, all off-prem, uh, optimized for pickup and delivery, which I think optimization should happen, but you're seeing where it's like all automated and it just, it feels like we're going in too far the other way. And I think what's good about that is if you look at um, the general 
economics of it all. Like for for every uh, zig, there will be a zag, and so it mm-hmm. might make the high touch. Uh, for lack of a better term, white glove experience is even more important um, since it, it's kind of creating a space as like the industry shifts away from that. I mean, even full service is becoming um, less touch, you know, the, the, the casual full service. Um, one of the gripes that I think restaurant owners and uh, leaders are having is uh, it seems like they're, they're starting to be death by a thousand cuts with SaaS programs. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, your POS is SaaS, your marketing is SaaS, everything. It's like just these monthly service fees really start to add up. How, how are you tackling and overcoming that challenge? Um, is there a certain amount of measurable savings that Vromo brings through the optimization that can be proven that helps make the decision easier? Not to answer the question for you, but... <laughs> How are you overcoming that challenge? <laughs> hey, Joseph, you want a job? <laughs> no, no, look, it's uh, like, honest to God, I actually, I wish um, Brian Hickey, my my partner in crime, was on this call because to say we have revised pricing on more than 17 million occasions is is probably an underestimation. Like, it is... It's one of those bugbears that I have because when we were the fleet business and we were doing the deliveries, like in all honesty, you got to see the pain and the gripe and the moan and the anguish and the hurt of SaaS fees. And we were kind of, I, I, I suppose as a fleet, you're, you're at the behest of those SaaS fees as well because they're your integrations or they're your enablers and that's how you get volume. So we looked at this world in a very, very different light when we set up our pricing. And, and it, look, it's, it's not unique, but what we tried to do was we tried to go fixed cost as, as much as we could. And we tried to put it as cents in the dollar and ideally, ideally around the quarter mark. As in, if, if you're paying a quarter for something that provides value, nobody cares it's quarter. But if you're talking about a, a meaty upfront you're going to pay me 90 grand a year. It's like, geez, that's a lot of ROI that I need to calculate. And the thing that I, I, I don't think an awful lot of SaaS providers see is, is the 90 grand in ROI available? Absolutely. But is the, if it's a big chain, that's fine. If there's a CFO or an FD or somebody who's actually calculating this on a quarterly or annual basis, tick box. If you're a restaurant owner or manager, you're looking at this five weeks in going, oh, merciful hour, I'm 90 grand in the hole and I've only got eight grand in savings. Now, math will tell you, play forward, add in your busy months, you're good as gold. But at the time, the feeling, the sentiment is horrific. So, So we've tried to remove the cost barrier to entry and we've just said, look, we're going to ask you for a minimum like a minimum on a monthly basis for us is 129 bucks. That's, that's where we're going to be. We try not to base it on that as in you need to be doing more and off prem if you're going to start engaging software tools in, in my, in my opinion. Yeah. Um, because for us, that's like three or 400 deliveries a month. And, and that's not a lot. And, and so we will be honest, we will turn people away and go, dude, you're never going to see the ROI. If you want to make it a super slick experience and add it to your marketing budget or your guest value budget, perfect. Don't add this thinking we're going to generate this massive ROI. 
above 400 orders, you're killing it. And and we will turn off after 60 days if you don't see an ROI. And the ROI comes in loads of different places, Joseph. Like it's it's different for every brand. Sometimes it's efficiency, driver numbers, overflow fleet, staff in the restaurant, ETAs to customers, reduction of phone calls. It could be anything. But we will be honest and we will go, dude, this is not for you. Like, and, and I would go so far as to say, if Romo says it's not for you, don't go and engage another software tool. Just figure out a better operational way to, to figure it out. Because at 129 bucks a month, it's probably the cheapest, low, lowest minimum you'll get. And if we're saying no, don't go and give it to somebody else. It's not worth it. Yeah, just start wasting everyone's time. I mean, you're going to waste your own cash. Yeah. And I, I have the same philosophy on it too. I mean, we're not, I say this to any potential client that comes to the doors, like we're not here to take your money. Like we, no. look, we're going to get paid for the value that we bring, but value means that there is a return, that there is a measurable benefit that you received. And I think it's actually in, in my book, I, I spend a whole chapter saying you might not need branding, like in the, in the sense that we do it, you might just need a creative person to design a logo and, <laughs> and that's okay. You know, like don't spend a ton of money with us to do a full brand strategy, brand development, yada, yada, when you could actually optimize your budget, especially if you're bootstrapping a startup. Um, and we do, and then we do the same thing and say, and, and by the way, don't speak to agencies that have 12 to a hundred employees because it's going to be the same pricing. You know, we, we, we base our services mostly on the amount of time we're estimating it's going to be spent on the project by the number of people, blah, 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 blah. Yeah. So I think it's really important to shoot people straight like that because I'd rather see a restaurant grow and thrive and come back to us down the road and say, Hey, thanks for being honest. It actually helped us succeed because we didn't throw money into this cavern. Um, and now we want to work with you on something bigger, blah, 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 blah. So it sounds like you have the uh, same mentality. Um, what so? What sort of successes have you been seeing with uh, brands who have adopted and integrated Romo fully? I know Papa Gino's is one, which as Kismet would have it, I think it's actually how we met in uh, Vegas yeah, is because you were speak, you know you're speaking with uh, Kevin, um, and then oddly enough, Papa Gino's came to us. I don't think Kevin had a, or actually, I'm sorry, we were talking to Papa Gino's as I was going out to Vegas. And so I was like, Oh wait, Kevin's going to be there. Let me say hi. Anyway. Um, so Papa Gino seems to be one of the pride and joys of, uh, of the Romo, uh, suite of brands. Can you divulge some successes you've had some high fives along the way? Yeah. So, um, and look, this is, this is no secret. Um, so like I, I'm extremely proud of the work we've done with, with Papa Gino's and new England Eats because I think they run, a really, really slick operation. Um, they have borderline cult following. Uh, like it's, it's insane. The, yeah. the loyalty around the volume that those guys produce is just phenomenal. And so the other, I suppose the other high five for us have been, and, and like, here's, here's a software one-on-one class. Um, so I'm not going to get into what we've sold or what we've done, but for us, distribution is always going to be key. Um, so, Myself and Brian made a call probably, I, I want to say 12, 18 months ago. And we said, look, we're going to go out and we're going to get the biggest and best tech stacks in the industry. And we're going to get them really tied as partners. And, and, and the reason for that, Joseph, was 
it's it's complicated enough for restaurateurs. Like, I mean, geez, in all honesty, they all had to become like Bill Gates over the last two years and understand APIs and SDKs and integrations and code bases. And I, I'm looking at restaurant owners glazing over going, I haven't got a holy hell what you just said to me. Like, not <laughs> a clue. And now you're asking me for thousands of dollars a year. So so we 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 made this conscious call to go after the partnership channel and and the reason for that was vromo is always going to be a part of a restaurant's tech stack it's not going to be the restaurant's tech stack and so we our, our high five moments have been square and um, was a really big one we worked really really hard with those guys um on the integration the api um and that was that was an awesome win for the team um i suppose we we've also done some really really cool work with otter which is just going to be a kind of enabler across the board um we've got some big big news coming um with the likes of toast and and what we're going to be doing there um so i'm not gonna i'm not gonna go too far into that at the moment because yeah. for any toast customer you'll see us in their marketplace but that that's awesome work and and what it's doing is it's given the power of control back to to restaurants who operate in those ecosystems um and i think control is is one of these words that you know often it's it's seen as a negative i i, I don't see this as a negative at all um, and and i think the marketplaces kind of understand like look at doordash look at uber look at deliveroo look at glova right so two in europe two in the us in all instances in the last 12 months they've launched a delivery program as a service, all of them. Now, if that isn't an indication to the market to say, we get that you guys want a little bit more control here, I don't know what is. I mean, let's be honest, they're never gonna they're never gonna advertise it. Like Torash are never gonna say, hey, do your own delivery, but if you need help, call us. <laughs> right. It's not gonna happen. It's their their core is still their core, but they understand that this evolution is occurred and and so our big win is the fact that we have got two-way integrations with Skipkart, uh, which is an amazing fleet incredible coverage unbelievably aggressive pricing for restaurants to enable them as a service he, like honestly god ben ben and myself and brian worked on this for like six months in the background and nobody knew about it. and all of a sudden restaurants can do delivery at like 5.99 a pop within five miles and it's awesome and and it's super aggressive and um, you've got our two-way integration with doordash we've got you know 14 other fleets around the us that are using vromo and restaurants now have a real choice and i think my my biggest high five moment is this is kind of the corniest thing i'm going to say today but it's with the industry because the industry is moving to a place that's giving restaurants back control and for a long time it's been take 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 the customers take the income take the commissions take the take everything mm -hmm. and now in the pandemic we all realized everybody realized because we're all a bit out of business if these restaurants don't exist so let's like make sure that we look after them enable them grow their customer base and if they grow we grow and that's been the big like that really feels like a bell has been rung and people have heard it and woken up to it and, and i think it's awesome for the industry I love that. So on that topic, let's let's dive into the future of the industry, uh, restaurant as well as delivery specific. I mean, how do you think 
delivery is going to continue to evolve for restaurant brands specifically? Uh, like what, what's on the horizon in the next two, three, five, ten 10 years? Uh, and are drones a thing? Are drones a thing? Uh, absolutely. Uh, don't ask me to pin my colors to the mast of which time frame they're a thing in, because uh, I think there's a lot of legislation that needs to pass to get those things off the ground. Um, Bobby Healy and Mana is is pioneering a lot of that industry. He's based out of Ireland, super dude. Um, but you've also got like hosted kitchens. They've been running robots around campuses in Europe. Uh, like it's yeah, it's it's super exciting space. Um, when does it happen? I think that's a ten year time horizon. If I'm being yeah. honest. Um, do you think self-driving cars comes before that? Like self-driving delivery vehicles come first? Uh, assisted delivery vehicles come first. I think assisted delivery vehicles come first. Um, I think on the five-year time horizon, I think the big, big game changer is going to be local co-ops. So you're going to have... 100 200 300 400 independent restaurants in i'm i'm gonna pick a ridiculous city to do this in but like obviously manhattan la chicago it works but even go somewhere like phoenix um or or fort worth and you're gonna have all these restaurants that are hiring one or two guys and they're gonna say hey if we pulled everybody together and we just service demand as it came we will get five times the efficiency we'll get five times the return on the investment in drivers and hashtag the drivers are going to make an absolute truck ton of money doing this mm. that's that's the big shift i think local delivery co-ops in the next five years is going to be the absolute game changer and i think pos systems will enable that could be wrong but i think you have your toast restaurants your square restaurants your par restaurants your you know that's how that will figure out. Hey, it could be the Vom Romo restaurants if I do my job well enough, but um, <laughs> we'll see. And then in the next two years, hybrid delivery. So without shadow of a doubt, I think the, the big game changer is going to be in the pandemic. And, and you kind of said it a couple of minutes ago. It was, it was binary. You had your own drivers. You just doubled down on that channel. You didn't have your own drivers. You went third party and you just suffered the consequences thereafter. In the next two years, and we've already started to see this with the likes of Papaginos, like in all honesty, um, TF Chang's are, are are doing it with uh, with DoorDash as well. Um, and, and so we're going to see this more and more. Hybrid delivery is basically where you have your own drivers and you utilize third-party fleets. And in all honesty, sometimes just third-party fleets, but you've got multiple ones layered in. That, to me, is going to be the big shift in the next 24 months because... The concept of just giving it away is, is so fundamentally incorrect that restaurants have woken up to, I need all marketplaces in play. I need all, all order sources, but I also need all fleets. And then I want to pick and choose when somebody delivers my food from any channel. And if we get to there, then the next, the next eight years look really, really rosy. 
And I think we will. I think we're going to get there really quick. It mightn't even be two years. It could be shorter. Yeah. So if, if I'm tracking, like essentially a, a restaurant leader would say, prioritize the um, high performers, the high traffic locations and say, okay, I'm putting my own people, my own delivery drivers at these locations because we have the volume for it. Meanwhile, the fallback, if we want to call it that, um, 3PD providers will take care of my lower performers that don't have enough traffic to really warrant uh, a dedicated uh, fleet. Could, could be even could be even more refined than that, though, Joseph. Like, think yeah. about it. It could be, I'll put a driver in 50% of my restaurants, but in that 50%, they will only complete a delivery within one mile. Thereafter, it all goes mm. to 3PL. Because my guys are on push scooters or lime scooters or uber like it yeah. could get so so refined for profitability it is unbelievable and that's the thing like okay so here, here's a little anecdote that restaurants won't like anybody can be busy in off-prem i mean anybody you yeah. you could be a moron with a kitchen and a till and you can be busy in off-prem but be busy and profitable that's a very, very different solution. That's a slick operator. That's somebody who understands their cost base, gets their bottom line, understands their delivery radiuses, where their buyers are coming from. And, and traditionally, that was anecdotal. That was like Grandpa Joe, who runs the pizza shop, who's been in the community for 50 years, and he knows where people are ordering and when they're ordering. That hasn't gone away, but that now needs to be digitized so it's replicatable. And, and so it can be deployed to the next Grandpa Joe's pizza shop and again and again and again. And that's where software plays. So it is this beautiful hybrid between what has gone before and what will come in the future. And software is going to like mash those two together and good softwares won't change. That, that, that's honestly how we feel. It shouldn't feel different. It should just feel like you've got more clarity. I love that. A moron in a kitchen and a till. I'm missing one of those. I'll, I'll let you figure out which one it is. I, I have all of them. I have all of them. And I still, and I still haven't made any money. I love it, says the guy who's sitting in Spain right now, for the record. Um, a little bit of jealousy for me. But all right, so this is probably the hardest question of the entire chat. Um, if you had one final meal, where would you eat? What would you eat and why? Oh, dude, you know, I didn't read the prep question, so I did not no, know this was coming. I love it. Um, and I'll, I'll help you out. Uh, Guinness does not count as a meal. <laughs> it, well, it does actually, but we will we'll have <laughs> it has that the debate. Calories for it. <laughs> yeah, we'll have that debate in Vegas uh, next year. Um, okay, one final meal. Um, can I caveat, does this need to be in a restaurant? No, not at all. Okay, so... If I had to have one final meal, it would be a barbecue. It would be a barbecue at home with my wife. I would use Corky's barbecue rub and sauce from Nashville. And for, for a drink, I would... Here's the best plug of all time. So hashtag Azadi, greatest Rioja of all time. If you can get your hands on it, go for it. Anything after 2019 is unbelievable. Uh, or sorry, before 2019, unbelievable. Um, and why? 
I I think food is about the experience. Um, and so I would love to be a restaurant owner and I would love to think I have the ability to do it. Uh, but I don't, <laughs> but I would have my last meal there if it wasn't there. And if I, if I had to go to a restaurant, I would go to a place called Masala in Nueva Andalusia in Marbella, where they sell Azadi on the menu and they do the best Indian food I have ever had. It is absolutely fabulous. And for me, it's all about company. So it would definitely be with my wife. I love it. Yeah, that's that's a fantastic answer, man. Um, mine, uh, you know, previously I, I'd said it on other episodes. So I don't want to bore people, but mine would be I would make a Thanksgiving dinner. Um, oh, okay. For, for my family and my friends, and just have as many people over as possible. I I love. I think there's nothing more um, more communal and satisfying than a Thanksgiving dinner with like all all the options all of them the only caveat here though is in both of those examples I'm going to need like a jar of Nexium just to get yeah. rid of the harbor <laughs> and that I'm going to have well, <laughs> well the implication is that there is no tomorrow so okay. you're, good. <laughs> you're good you're good this that's kills right. you yeah yeah that's okay. right okay, um, well Alan I appreciate it man how can people uh, connect with you and Vroma where do they find you yeah, absolutely. So best channel to, to monitor is our LinkedIn. We kind of put all of our updates and our and our new content out there. Um, you can also connect with me, DM me for sure. And then for any inquiries as to how we can help your restaurant make more money and make delivery profitable, the best channel is sales at Veromo.io. And genuinely, Joseph, just want to say thank you so much for having me on the show because I follow it. Um, and the guests are, are good and I hope I have met the standards uh, and it's been awesome having a chat today. Absolutely, man. I appreciate it. Very humbling indeed. Uh, and thank you for your time, especially, uh, since you are kind of on vacation, right? Just Absolutely. starting out. Oh, All I right. am. Yeah. Mo, Mo, sure. I'm going to get handed three children screaming and crying and everything else <laughs> now, but, uh, this is definitely worth it. I love it, my friend. Well, hey, enjoy the holiday and, uh, we'll talk real soon. Awesome. Cheers, Joseph. Thanks, Marcus. If you love what we've served up, please follow us at Vigor Branding on Instagram, LinkedIn, YouTube, and Medium. Fork Tales is produced by the team at Vigor. Audio and video post-productions provided by Zencaster. Music performed by Jet Trash and licensed through musicbed.com. Joseph handles his own hair, makeup, and stunts. Copyright 2003 to 2021, Vigor Graphic Design, LLC, all rights reserved.